Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WHUTs after further review. I'm Derek Lawson here. We're recording for you. We haven't been on in a while. Hopefully you guys had a great uh, happy holidays over the Thanksgiving break. And now we're getting into uh, Christmas season. Happy Hanukkah as well. But we're running into the state of the state here with Frank Vashner. He is here on the on the phone lines. And Frank, we haven't talked to you in a while, have we, Frank? Yeah, I know. It's just I've been so busy with football season, wrapping up the covered playoff games. I do have to give a shout out to the Hudson Tigers. They won the Division Eight state championship, and I actually officiated them in the first round of the playoffs. So now I can say I officiated a state champion. Nice, nice. I like to like that's something that I like to hear. Also, uh, Frank, uh, tell me, um, what, what, how was your uh, um, your holiday, basically? Oh, it was very fun. I got to spend uh, Thanksgiving with my mom's side of family. We had a delicious Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> Bill, for the first time ever, we had macaroni and cheese that was delicious to go with the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the cranberries and all that good stuff. So, Wait a minute. The, the macaroni and cheese was always bad? or how, No, 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 no. We, we, had, we had never done it before. And you never I, eat macaroni I, and cheese? No, no. I've had it before, but never never at Thanksgiving. What? I, I know, Derek. I, as, as wrong as that sounds, it was like, why, not, why can't we not have a same... Somebody ended up making it, and it was very good. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I learned something new from, from over there on the uh, Frank Vashner side of the family. So, uh, Frank, you're doing your, what is it, the state of the state? Explain the state of the state as we have this. As you, here's your favorite song. Well, this is basically just uh, talking about the state of the two main college football teams in Michigan, Michigan State and Michigan, and kind of looking back at what happened with them this season and where things are going to go from here. And okay. I'll just preview by saying that both teams exceeded expectations. Okay. Why do you say that? Well, since you're playing Michigan state's fight song, I guess I got to start with them. This is a team that was year two of the Mel Tucker era, even though in reality it was year one last year, I considered year zero because he never got to true. Really meet his full team, install true. everything in because of COVID and all that. That is very true. So this was really the first year that I was going to judge Tuck as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And I know Vegas was saying, oh, this team's going to finish dead last of the Big Ten East. They're not going to win more than four games. And I just remember, I may have said this to some people, and I think I heard it said elsewhere, hammer the over for the over-under for their Vegas win total. And they go out and win 10 games, and they have a legitimate chance to make a New Year's Six Bowl. So I would say they probably exceeded expectations. I was probably expecting, you know, get seven, eight wins tops, perhaps, and get to a bowl game and go from there. But 
Mel Tucker has really taken a giant step forward in what was really his first full season with the team. Yeah, okay, that, yeah, that does make sense. Keep going. Yeah, and I know there was kind of, I think early in the season, and all the hype surrounding Kenneth Walker, there you kind of wondered how long is this going to stick. I mean, we've seen guys who have great, games in August and September, and then they just kind of fizzle out in October and November. And Kenneth Walker had a strong performance, and he's likely going to be getting a trip to New York for the Heisman ceremony. I'm not going to say if he's going to win it or not, but still having somebody get a trip to New York, that's an accomplishment in itself. That, I think, was the big key to success also. Oh, Peyton Thorne, I thought, out at QB, did a decent job as well. Hell, I, no, I can't remember how many times ESPN would say how him and Jaden Reed played together when they were playing youth football, and that kind of became a bit of a tired bit, like how Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw went to the same high school. I digress. But you definitely look at what, what Tucker's done, huh, and you have to say, wow, he's got them not, I wouldn't say back to where they were and under the peak D'Antonio years, but they are definitely on that path, and I think the ceiling is much higher for in years to come. And that was evidenced by his 10-year contract extension that he got, which he was the second-highest-paid coach and not anymore, given the recent signings of Lincoln Riley at USC, Brian Kelly at LSU. Those are topics for another time. Yes, yes <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... But I def, I mean, I know, in terms of Tucker's extension, did they pay him uh, more than I would have liked to? Oh, yeah, but you're either paying your head coach lots of money or you're basically having to look for a new one. Because you got to remember, Nick Saban left Michigan State in 1999 to go to LSU for the grand sum of about a million and a half a year. And that's basically peanuts compared to what coaches are making today. Well, <laughs> That was 1999. That was 22-something years ago. So it's probably, if you do inflation and comparables, making a million and a half a year at 99, in 1999 as a coach was a lot of money. It was almost like what Lincoln Riley is kind of making now, back then terms. Oh, yeah. But I think Michigan State kind of learned from, from their problems in the past that, you know what, we got somebody who is showing that he can get the job done and we don't want to risk losing him, so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep him around for as long as we can. And do I think? And of course, the only way I see Tuck leaving is if he ends up taking an NFL job. And I think there might be one open amongst at least one, if not two, of our respective teams, Derek. But again, that's something I'll have to get into with you a little bit later. But anyways, kind of going back to what he's done, obviously, I think the the first signature moment was that win down in Miami. You go down there, there it's hot and humid. You say, oh, you got to worry about how them taking the ball away and all this, that, and the other. And they basically go went and beat Miami at their own game. Granted, this isn't the Miami from years prior, and they're probably looking for a new coach too, but still – you got to win on the road in a hostile environment, and that's saying, that's saying something. I mean, even 
the Nebraska game where you faced some adversity, you had struggles, you found a way to win a game. I mean, even I think even the game against Indiana, which even though Indiana was the worst team in the Big Ten, you still had to find ways to win. And I think really the signature moment was the win over Michigan, down by 16 points in the second half. I think lesser teams probably would have folded up and said, you know what, we're beat. They didn't quit. They just kept going. And, and this is what I love about how Mel Tucker the most is he, he said, we're not going to do like anything special this game. Everybody knows that we're running. Guys just got to execute. And they did just that. So, and that showed me, yeah, this Mel Tucker, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with in the big 10 and quite possibly nationally as well. I mean, he's shown what he can do in terms of recruiting He's landed some really solid recruits in the offseason. He's been able to get guys from the transfer portal like Walker or even Jalen Berger, who just signed, who was at Wisconsin. You get guy, he's able to get guys in, and he's also built a culture in place, too, especially with uh, the whole keep chopping. That's I really love that mentality, and I think it holds true in life as well. I mean, you might want to consider this a life lesson. Sometimes things don't go your way. You just got to keep pushing forward. And I think that's and that's really something that I like what he's done. That That is true. And, and like you said, COVID, COVID really was, I, I think, for some people, a mulligan year for a lot. Just, just the circumstances that went down. It was just a strange, strange year. And it was good to see that, obviously, that they, they, they bounced back. But I was really impressed with Mel Tucker as well, as well, as well with Michigan State. And like you said, preseason-wise, they thought they were going to be in last place. You know, it didn't end so well for Dan and Tony, um, or Dan and Tony, I believe. So you're thinking, how is he rebuilding this? And then last year, the COVID year didn't look too good either. So, yeah, I, I give him, I give him a B plus, A minus for what he did this year. That's that's my grade. And the and the other thing too, I should mention, Mel Tucker to steal a line from Herm Edwards plays to win the game. And nothing was more evident than when I was up in East Lansing this past Saturday when they were playing Penn State. You're facing a fourth and fifth, fourth and goal, or fourth and fifteen from the opponent's twenty. Your kicker's hurt, and the guy who's replacing him is real streaky. You need points, so we're gonna go for it. Hit, and it was basically probably one of the best throws and catches I have seen in my time as a Michigan State fan. From Thorne to Jaden Reed, who caught what was essentially a touchdown to put it out, put the game out of reach. I and I just remember saying to my buddy Chris, who I was with, and a few fans around, I said, "That's playing to win the game." Because I think, and I don't mean to bag on D'Antonio, but I think what he would have done was, was just played it safe and tried to kick the field goal. Let's just get points and hope we can hold. Mel says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, we're going." We're gonna. We play to win. We don't play not to lose. Yeah, that's how it should be always be. I mean, when you're at that level of college sports, especially major Power Five D one football, you better be trying to play to win. Yeah, and I mean, I I think you even saw it in the Miami game as well. They got the ball back. I think they had was probably just a ten point lead. Instead of just running it, he dot they dial him Jay Johnson dial up a kill shot to Speedy Naylor. And that basically said, okay, game over. That is true. 
and I I do think it comes from the fact that Tuck coached under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in the SEC. He has a lot of that mindset to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and remember, they also beat Michigan as well. That's exactly. One, that's one of Michigan's one of their blunders. Now they're going to the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, knocking off Ohio State. Any final thoughts on Michigan State when we then we trans you know go on over to uh, Michigan? Um, I mean, I, I think if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, this team would win 10 games and be in the talk for a New Year's Six Bowl, I probably would have called you crazy. But they, but I'm really excited to see where it's going to go from here. And, you know, I kind of hoping that we see a matchup in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. I know that's just kind of the chatter right now. Uh, but... Well, well, I'll see. We'll see what happens with this weekend and championship weekend. Make sure that I'm saying hopefully nothing that poop crazy happens, for lack of better terms. And then we'll go from there in the bowl game. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully it looks it turns out pretty good for them, uh, Frank. Uh, what do we What do we have What do we actually have up next though for you as Michigan? Yes. Well, uh, I'll tra- I'll transition to them and. There's, a, there's quite a bit I got to say, and it's, some of it's going to be a lot of me just tipping my hat and saying, well done, and others that said, hey, I said this in the summertime, and it proved to be very true. So are you, are you still hating yeah. Mr. Harbaugh? Actually, I am not. Okay. I'm not, because from... Because, Derek, if you remember, I think, I, don't, I think it might have been back in August when we were both in the studio, mm-hmm. when I had alluded to Media Day, Harbaugh said we had to beat our rivals or die trying. And that to, that to me told me that he knew his ass was in the jackpot if he did, didn't come away with a win against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he did just that. And we'll get to... And I'll get to how we they ended up doing that. Okay. And it and I mean some of this some people might find controversial, but you know there are some Buckeye fans who will agree with me. I'm starting to think that Ohio State may have put most of their eggs into beating Michigan State and thinking we got to take care of these guys because we're just gonna roll into Ann Arbor and beat those clowns next week. Oh crap! Yeah, that that's a legitimate. That's actually legitimate. I've I've heard that that they they went in there and basically put all their eggs in there to beat Michigan State, thinking that Michigan was there was going to be the same old same old. The emotional high was there for Michigan State, and they just came in flat. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I mean, you kind of seen it with coming off of an emotional high in the Big Ten. Obviously, Michigan State when they beat Michigan next week, they go to West Lafayette play Purdue when they lose. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Maybe Ohio State had kind of that similar deal, and you know, Mich- could Michigan see that when they have to play in the Big Ten championship tomorrow on Saturday? Only time will tell. But from what little bit I did see and read about the game, this was Michigan basically kind of had to play like their old days while still lining up like you do in modern day college football. It wasn't. They ran the ball with Hassan Haskins, and quite frankly, they did a great job at it, too. That was probably the best performance I've seen out of a Michigan running back 
against Ohio State since Tim Biaka Batuka in 95. Mm-hmm. You had to bring his... up Tim Biaka Batuka. Wow. Well, I, Throwback I right remember, there. Well, I just remember talking to a few of my Michigan brethren about. Well, what about Tyrone Wheatley or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think you put Hassan Haskins at the same table as all the great, the great Michigan running backs the Tyrone Wheatleys, the Bianca Batukas, the Anthony Thomases, the Jamie Morrises, Mike Arts, even. I think that you put you put all those guys at the same table for greatness, right? And, and here's a f- fun fact too: Michigan did not face a third down in that whole second half against Ohio State. Wow, that is a big stat right there! Not facing the yeah. third down. Yeah, and I think that shows that Josh Gaddis, their offensive coordinator, has finally gotten things figured out. He realized, you know, we've we've got guys who can run the ball. Paul, and they finally realized, hey, this Haskins kid is really good because I do remember him watching play in years prior, and they never seemed to use him quite enough. And now they finally ride him, and look what it gets you. Right. So, so you have to tip, tip your cap there. And defensively, I mean, I, I know David said this in our group chat. Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is starting to give Kayvon Thibodeau a serious run for his money at being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So all I can say is if it's H- Hutchinson or Thibodeau, I wouldn't mind seeing either one of those in Hollywood blue and silver. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah, I, speaking of which, I did go out of town, state, of the, state for Michigan. I was at the Lions game during Thanksgiving weekend against my <laughs> Bears. And I will say – I see why both teams have the records that they have because basically that <laughs> was some bad football. Great experience, though, at Ford Field. And also saw Anthony Bellino, friend of the show. Um, he does their pregame show there. Um, so it was fun, but you're right. Hopefully the Lions get the number one pick and they probably get someone that can be an impact player. Hopefully a running back. They haven't had one since Barry Sanders. Absolutely. And going back to Michigan, and all the narratives that have been said about Harbaugh, oh, he can't beat Ohio State. Oh, he can't win the Big Ten East. He can't get to Indianapolis. All those are now dead. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then remember, I think I think I predicted it. Maybe I thought he would have got there a little sooner than later. But sometimes it takes time. I, I think the media and the fans just want everything to be like Burger King just instantly. And it's just like, come on. It's just like, no, this is not how this works. Well, I, I mean, to, to that point, Derek, I mean, I think, I mean, I, we were probably both guilty of saying, yeah, he's going to get them there in like two or three years. He can do it. No, 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 no. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I thought that, for one, I like the fact that he right. got them to relevance. That's one thing that Michigan fans had to understand. Now, I understood that with Urban being there his first few years, that, um, you know, Ohio State's just a beast. They were just they they just are. They're a beast, and you're not going to beat that. So I knew that was going to be what it was. But there was the last few years where he had them until the Ohio State game in the college football playoff scenario. And like I said, it, it's it wasn't no fumbling and bumbling like the Rich Rod era. You know, Brady Hogue. He it, they were respectable, but once again, you were trying to compare Michigan to Ohio State. And he just didn't have those horses. Now it looks like with Ryan Day being there and Daddy Urban out of the league for a few years, 
it looks like maybe it's it, the talent is kind of tipping towards being equal or Michigan being better. But, you, you know, it was just a bad comparison. But the only thing that I liked about Harbaugh was that he was making Michigan at least relevant again. Now, some people are greedy and they want th- th- think that 10-win seasons are horrible, but most programs would kill to have 10-win seasons, 9 to 10 wins every year. But, I mean, that's just the fan base of Michigan. Well, yeah, and the expectation, I think the expectation was, too, you've got to get to Indianapolis, and it's, right. it, took, it, took, it, took, it took him a year seven. I mean, it's, and I think, I would say, I'll say most of, not the entire Michigan fan base is, I'll say most of, they're, they're happy, they finally got there, and I've told a lot of my friends who are Michigan fans, enjoy it. Because oh, yeah. you don't, you don't know when you're going to get back here again. I mean, the West, the the big was are they in the, they're in the West, right? They're in the East. I mean, if I got the East, I keep I mean, the East is tough. It's tough. I mean, look who's in the East: is Michigan State, it's Ohio State. Those two alone, even even on on a bad year, I mean, let, let's face it, that's tough to that's tough to do. You know, the, obviously the West is a little bit easier, so. Every year, don't they have Penn State in the, in their division too? So let's think <laughs> uh, about that. Every year, you got at least you're battling three or four teams just to get to Indianapolis, and and you're gonna you're gonna trip. Think about it. Michigan tripped up against Michigan State. Ohio State tripped up against Michigan. So that's that's gonna happen. Oh yeah, and I think also oh, with both. I mean, I'll, I'll, there's something I'll say just to sum it all up later. Mm. But I think that the the Big Ten East is you said is proven to be one of the toughest divisions, and I mean I won't I won't say it's at the same table as of toughness as the SEC West is. No, I won't go. I won't go that far. Yeah, but I think but I think that they're in the same building. They're in the same. They're in the, they're in the same restaurant, but the SEC West is in the roped off VIP area. Yeah. And the Big Ten East is like, you know, we're in the club, just not the VIP lounge. Right, exactly. That is true. That is true. You know, it, it, it the SEC West is just a gauntlet, but 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 the, the Big Ten East, if you want to compete, you pretty much you know it. Whoever comes out of the Big Ten East should be a huge favorite to win the Big Ten championship. We'll put it to you that way. Yeah, and I mean, as for Saturday against Iowa. I think I do think Michigan wins against Iowa. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think they're going to blow them out. You know, I don't think Iowa's really that good because they're they're not their offense isn't really that good. But defensively, they they get a lot of takeaways, and you can't give them a short field. And the other thing too is I was reading what friend of the show Derek Hutchinson wrote on the Click on Detroit dot com. Yeah, I, I try to get. So, I wish I can get him on the show again. I've reached out to yeah. him a few times in the past year or so, and um, he hasn't reached out to us. So he hasn't been probably been busy. But go ahead. The thing is, there, there's been times where Michigan's been ranked number two in the country and played Iowa, and the end result hasn't been good. <laughs> but hasn't that because they've been going to Kinnick Stadium? That, yes, that 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 neutral that field is, here. That's true. Yeah, not yeah. Now we're playing at Lucas Oil Field, the house that Peyton Manning built. Mm-hmm. But still, I think you have, I think you have to still play. You still have to play a good game. You can't give. You can't let Iowa have a short field, field, and you hold, and you pretty much have to just play. You have to 
play with the same intensity you did with against against Ohio State, right. in a sense. I mean, I don't know if that can be matched though, especially after one week. But I think they take care of business, and that gets them to the college football playoff. Now, as for who they end up facing, I truthfully, I they might end up getting they probably end up getting Cincinnati in the first round, and how do you think so? Well, a, I think that's a possibility unless, again, a lot of the crazy crap happens. I mean, they could they could end up. I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, they could end up. See, they, they could end up seeing Georgia in round one. I would. I don't think they'd want to see see Georgia because I think Georgia is pretty much a monolith this year with how well they've played. I mean, a, Alabama. I don't think gets in if they lose. And so probably you're looking at, I think really you're looking at Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and probably I would say Oklahoma State because I think with Brian Kelly telling Notre Dame bye-bye before the season ends, I think that's probably going to tell the selection committee, yeah, we're not inviting you to the party this year. Yeah, that, that I can see that that probably happening, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if they if they get in, I think if if they don't if they don't face an SEC team in the first round, they have a good shot at getting to the national championship game. And I think if we'll, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, it's no, be nobody would expect them to get there at this point. In fact, uh, in closing, I'll just say this: with both teams being good in the state of Michigan. I think it's great. It's something I've wanted. It's something a lot of people have wanted. Michigan State and Michigan is can be the Alabama and the Auburn north of the Mason-Dixon line, and that's good for football. Yes, I, I will say that Michigan beating Ohio State. You know, I, I have no no skin in the game here. You know, because I'm a Florida fan. But it's good to see Michigan beat Ohio State. It was getting to the point where it was kind of getting a little stale with Ohio State winning all the time. And it's like, okay, we need to get that, you know, back to balance. And there's nothing now, obviously, the power of balance hasn't really changed just yet. Michigan needs to reel off another couple because this is the first time they've won in 11 years. But it would be good to see some balance now um, within the Big Ten. I think it makes the conference stronger. It makes it a little bit better. And it's it's also good for college football. I think you need to – every few years you need to see a change in teams. You know, people are getting tired of seeing the same old teams – in the final four is probably why they're asking for expansion. And then the teams that are always in it don't want expansion because they know they're always going to be in it. Yeah. And then also you usually just end up around at the same four teams anyway. Exactly. Hey, regard, regardless of how you end up getting there. Right. There, there's different roads to take, but yeah, the result is still the same. So, but that's, that's something we'll have to discuss at a later date. Mm-hmm. So instead, so in closing, that's pretty much the state of the state for the state of Michigan and their two college football teams. Wow, that was a good state of the state there, uh, Frank Vashner. And uh, what's oh anything coming up for you this weekend or anything like that? Well, I will actually be on the microphone at Bedford High School on Saturday as they their girls basketball team will host Sylvania Southview. That's for sure, right? Yeah, that's going to be a tip-off tomorrow about one thirty in the afternoon oh, okay. at the Corral. Okay, at the Corral. Now you're still on the on, on the on the Bedford boys staff, right? 
Yes. Okay. I actually got yeah, I actually got to spend a little time announcing for the volleyball team. Team they team they were kinda young they were kinda young this year. They lost the district finals to a pretty good Celine team, but mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be solid for years to come. They had a lot of young they got a lot of young up and coming talent plus their the volleyball team has a Hall of Fame coach and Jody Menor as well. So so I'm definitely excited to see what the girls basketball team can do. Well, I've actually got the paper, the Monroe paper in front of me at the moment. And they've got some, they got some really nice pieces coming back and some new, some newcomers that I think could contribute as well. And also I do, oh, Southview isn't the only Northwest Ohio school they're going to be facing this year. They're going to be facing Whitmer on January 15th at the Corral. Yeah, that should be a good one. OGLL foes, actually, the Great Lakes League. That's back in the day. That's the dating myself. Um, Bill Ryan is the girls' basketball coach over there. So Yes, he is. Really yeah, his, uh, yeah his, uh, his daughter Grace is a senior mm-hmm. on the girls' team, and his son Carter is on the JV boys' basketball team. Okay, nice, nice, Frank. Well, Frank, once again, thanks for calling in. You had the state of the state for Michigan. I, at least there's something to look forward to with Michigan State football and Michigan football for football fans because we all know that the Detroit Lions uh, put a bag over your face. That's what I saw, a lot of bags over people's faces at the game. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. It wasn't, it wasn't really much better when I went to a game on Halloween oh. against the Eagles. That was a disaster. Yeah, that was somewhat of a disaster hopefully the lions can get one win they got a tie at least uh, you know you know what my views on ties are yeah, I, it's like kissing your sister i know, I know. yeah so, so we we don't need to summon the members of the striking of the deceased that wide society <laughs> well frank man once again thanks for calling in so much and uh enjoy your weekend man and enjoy the, the game over at uh the corral bedford girls basketball so that's a massive that's a saturday matinee Yes, it is. So I have a Saturday matinee as well as we play in the Anthony Wayne Generals. Oh, I, I think uh, our I think our girls actually scrimmaged Anthony Wayne. So oh, really? That should be. Well, it's that it's that time of year where basketball is getting going. So is this is this Bedford's first game of the season? Because Michigan started later than us. Yes, uh, girls girls have actually tipped off this this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys will tip off next week. We uh, the boys actually will tip off on uh, a week from today against Celine okay. at the Corral. <laughs> okay, so come so we'll, come and check it out. All absolutely. Right. All right, Frank. Good talking to you, man. All right, thanks, Derek. Yep, that was Frank Vashner there on the phone lines with you here on eighty-eight point three WCTs. After further review, I know we've been away for a while, so I'm trying to get this recorded show for you, get some content up on there. Hopefully, David the Man of God Harris calls in a little bit later with some topics. But that was the state of the state. From Frank Vashner. When we return, we'll be back here with more after further review. But you can always listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, WHT's after further review with a picture of Frank Vashner on the horse's head. If you ever miss a segment, once again, we'll be back after this. 88.3 WHT's after further review. Mm-hmm. 